Welcome, listeners, to www.ironradio.org, the website and podcast for all things strength sports and sports nutrition. With your hosts, Lonnie Lowry. Remember, Phil is like a gnarled old oak tree held together with scar tissue and bone spurs. Rob Fortney. And I'm telling you, the pain that I would suffer was beyond excruciating. And Phil Stevens. Do it, Rob. You'll kill all those nerves. Thanks for listening. Welcome, IronRadio.org listeners. This is Lonnie Lowry. I'm an exercise physiology and nutrition professor of ooh, 15 years or so, and I'm a former competitive bodybuilder. This is Phil Stevens. I'm uh, an athlete in Highland Games powerlifting, amongst other things. I coach. I run strength field. I run the barbell open. And, geez, man, I'm just busy all the time. Busy man. Uh, this is Dr. Mike T. Nelson. I'm pulling in from my car here, so I apologize for the crazy audio if that happens. Uh, owner of Extreme Human Performance, uh, teach for Globe University, do the certification for Eat Perform, and uh, a bunch of other stuff. Cool. In fact, everyone, that's what we're going to do today, I think, is we're going to um, talk about the goings-on of all the co-hosts. There's so much going on, and it could give you some insight into you know, what's happening in the fitness industry, I suppose. Um, but let's start with, I have one news piece, and I have two bits of listener mail. Strength and Muscle Sport News. So, we'll get to this. The first one was given to me by a, a professor colleague, and as I was reading it, I started getting a little bit irritated. So, I guess our news is partly editorialized, so I think, you know, <laughs> deal with it. <laughs> mm. But... It's called You Can't Trust What You Read About Nutrition. This is from 538.com. Um, the subtitle is, We found a link between cabbage and any belly buttons, but that doesn't mean it's real. So, I, of course, this is a... I, th- I get the feel, at least, that this is a, one of those science journalists. The name is Christy Ashwanden. Um, but we know, of course, in nutrition, that epidemiology is not cause and effect, you know, so I think that's what she's alluding to here, you know, like um, the amount of cabbage that's eaten in a society and the number of any belly buttons, there's there's not a real cause and effect, there's just a relationship, it's just a correlation. Um, but I don't think that in itself is enough to say that we can't trust anything that we hear about nutrition. So let me just uh, set the stage here, it says, as an, as This is back from January. As the new year begins, millions of people are vowing to shape their eating habits. Usually involves dividing foods into moralistic categories. Good, bad, healthy, unhealthy, that sort of thing. This makes me think of Jaya Dixit, who's – she's got a – she's really into this sort of sociological side of this sort of stuff. And she's done some uh, recordings in our listener editorial portion on the – ironradio.org site, but it is true. We do this sort of moralistic categorizing. Um, and then it goes on to talk about how the U.S. Dietary Guidelines uh, just just came out, essentially the revised version. And if you weren't familiar, it does run it down, and this is helpful. Um, it emphasizes vegetables, fruits, whole grains, low to non-fat dairy products, seafood, legumes, and nuts. And it suggests reducing red and processed meat uh, refined grains and added sugars, right? Sugary foods and beverages. 
But then they go on to say that other than, you know, the basically just dietary guidelines, I'm not going to get into the Institute of Medicine and all these different groups, but uh, there are other groups. You know, cardiologists might say, oh, well, you should eat a Mediterranean diet, you know, just focus on olive oil. Or, you know, the paleo uh, pundits, they really like, obviously, what we're partly assuming to be, uh, you know, an ancient diet, which in many ways is like a low-carb diet, uh, you know, that kind of thing. So it says, who's right? It's hard to say. And then she goes on to sort of bash nutrition science. And so much of this is focused on um, diet logs and food frequency questionnaires. Now, this reminds me very much of something I used to get into with dietitian colleagues when I worked in a nutrition department because um, food frequency questionnaires, they essentially just ask you how many times you eat this or that category of a food. And then they try to make correlations with disease or, you know, that kind of thing. But food, first of all, food frequency questionnaires are not the same thing as a, a diet log. Uh, but then there's also some ripping on diet logs in here, like how it's surprisingly difficult to capture, you know, your usual diet with a three or four or seven day food record. And it's hard to remember. And now I've seen peer reviewed data, though, that you can, in fact, remember what you ate today or like I've actually asked uh, subjects, when did you start taking protein powders? And they can tell me. I bet you guys could probably tell me, give or take, the year you started taking protein powders, you know. So, I don't know. Just a lot of this rips on uh, the basically the idea that epidemiology is not cause and effect. It's just correlations. You know, you can link almost any nutrient with almost any disease if you look hard enough in the literature. But, you know, they're using words like link and correlate and those are the the weasel words you have to really watch for you know now there are some good points that are made in this piece though she says we expect too much from nutrition studies like we want to know what's healthier you know that sort of what's good you know that kind of stuff and i think that's the problem that if you're expecting science to tell you what's healthy or what's good uh these things are subjective terms and that's not how science works right uh, they might tell you did something increase or decrease, you know, that kind of thing. So I think people do expect too much. Now, there is a very brief mention of r rigorous randomized trials. You know, of course, that's when you feed someone a specific nutrient and you watch what happens. You measure some things physiologically. Um, but I don't know. To me, again, back to that thing that I've always went back and forth with dietitians is Many of them, not all, of course, but many dietitians I spoke to, they tend to think nutrition studies are always about putting your finger on the pulse of what people are eating, you know, like these surveys. But what nutrients do in the body and what a physiologist can measure or a nutritional physiology person, thats it's almost like they're not even aware of, of those studies to the same extent. But that's nutrition too. What nutrients do, what foods do in your body is every bit as important as doing survey types of things. But there's sometimes there's so much focus on surveys, and it may be because pencil and paper, frankly, at least from an equipment standpoint, and if you do them poorly, they're easier done, you know. But I don't know. To, to say that surveys and food records and epidemiology is, you know, it's not cause and effect, and therefore we don't really know what's going on. We, we can't trust what we read about nutrition, as the title says, uh, I don't know. I, I have some issues with that. So um, there it is from 538.com. I just thought I would mention that. Mike, I don't know if you have any comments about. Yeah, and then people will always point to that and go, 
Oh yeah, see, look, I shouldn't pay any attention to any nutritional research because it's all bogus. Look at this study. Ah. <laughs> Give me my Twinkie. <laughs> yeah, yep. Yeah. I do. Th- I do think they expect too much of it. But I think the flip yeah. side is you can't. You can't expect nothing from it either. I mean, I think the idea here that most people don't understand is that science is reductionist. We're looking for an increase or a decrease in a very specific population, uh, whoever you studied, right, in a very specific time frame with a very specific dose. And we can only make conclusions that are little. You know, science inches forward like that. And if you want something as sweeping, you know, as is low-fat diet good, man, good? Well... (laughs) You know, if that's compared just such, to what? right, exactly. Always compared to something, and also that, that's a value word. I don't know. I don't feel. How do you deal with nutrition science? I mean, you're an educated guy, so I'm sure you trust it on some level. But well, yeah. I mean, you can't ignore the science. I mean, it's like we always talk about. It's a it, the perfect world is a mixture of of science and the practical world. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that's kind of where you have to be. If you just totally ignore science, then. Uh, yeah, then you get those groups that it's like uh, the whole nowadays there's a big push that it doesn't matter what it is as long as the macros fit, and I'm not a big fan. No, no <laughs> you right. Know, and yeah. things like that. It, it just doesn't make sense. I mean, there's you can't tell me that the same amount of calories of broccoli and you know peas is the same amount as a freaking piece of cake. It just right. it doesn't make sense. There's, Even if it's just... There's, there's more to food than macros. Yeah. <laughs> a lot more to food than macros. In the long term, maybe, yeah, in the short term, as far as, like, body comp goals go and things like that, yeah, I could see it playing out a bit. Yep, but, I agree. Um, you know. Yeah, that's the real power of nutrition, I think. It's not like – it's not trying to fix someone in a three-day length of stay in a hospital. It's uh, not trying to just change your body comp in the next eight or 12 weeks. Uh, that can be important, of course, but the real power to me is the micronutrition and the phytochemicals and the slow cumulative effects uh-huh. of like my berries and oatmeal every morning washed down with some black tea, you know, stuff like that, or a cup of coffee, as opposed to eating a Big Mac or a, a, a McDonald's breakfast sandwich or something um, every morning for all those weeks and months and decades, you know. It's a slow cumulative thing, I think. Okay. So I'll get off the soapbox with that. This next one is a question. This is from Alan. And, Alan, you know who you are. Alan's a great guy. He actually works in the special effects industry um, out in Los Angeles and whatnot. And he's actually given my family some cool advice. My son's interested in similar things. And I wanted to address this question. Uh, Dr. Nelson, this may be best for you. Uh, I I think Phil and I have a few things to add, too. But um, I have a question. I finally had an MRI for my back injury. Uh, insurance made me do physical therapy before this, which seems backwards to me. Okay, let me <laughs> let me stop right there already. I I agree. It's like it's almost like they're hoping that physical therapy will prevent the expensive surgery, but oftentimes it just feels like they're making you jump through hoops and spend more money, you know, because you're on your way to a surgery anyway. Anyway, um, that's just my aside. Uh, I have three bulging discs. The worst one is the S1L5. Um, and then it gives some specifics about how many millimeters wide and, and whatnot it is. They tell me an epidural injection will totally solve my problem and that I can lift, quote, as much as I want, close quote, after getting the epidural injection. Do you know any lifters who have had these epidural shots for disc problems, and do they really work? All right, what do you think, Dr. Nelson? Oh, 
Yeah, so my thought on that, if you will it block pain from that area, yeah, it'll do that really well. Um, there's other procedures where they go in with uh, basically an RF ablation and cook the nerves. Basically, they just fry the nerves that come out from around it. And people do see, you know, an acute reduction in pain over time. But the thing that people forget is that your body's pretty smart. And if you believe that it's survival-based and that that is an issue potentially causing a loss of function somewhere, even though you kind of killed the pain signal for a while, in a lot of those cases, the pain actually comes back and potentially can be worse the next time. Um, yeah. So I know like Dr. Stu McGill has a lot of um, pretty cool books on uh, low back disorders, things of that nature. If they can find any good, you know, physical therapists, you know, someone like that in their area. Um, actually, I don't remember what area he's in, but you can drop me a note too. Um, I would definitely go that route before even the epidural, uh, unless it's like extremely painful. Um, but either way, they would want to do something to try to make sure that that area is going to stay a lot more stable over time instead of just right. killing the pain signal and going, hey, you're fine, go lift. Hey, absolutely. So really, really bad. <laughs> no, I, you know, I thought that too. The only thing that, that disturbs me on this one is, oh, yeah, it, it, it will solve your problem and you can lift as much as you want. It's yeah. like, wait, wait, wait. Right. Now, it's solving the pain. Exactly. The pain right? problem temporarily. Yeah. Right. Uh, and we're talking, this could be, it could help your pain completely. Like, you're like, wow, I, that's amazing. It feels solved. And that could go on from weeks to maybe a year or more, you oh, know, sure. with, the, with these shots. In fact, I'll put some links on our Facebook page about, you know, like some of the, you know, the classic anatomy pictures of where they put the needle through the disc and into that little space around your spinal uh, cord and that sort of thing. Um you know, these are corticosteroids generally. I mean, I imagine they put all kinds of things in an epidural injection, but uh, I'm assuming this is some type of corticosteroid. And those things just erase inflammation and pain. And But, yeah, like we're saying, that yeah, then he goes squats heavy and he just squishes the bulging disc worse, mm -hmm. you know. So at some point, I would actually look into that. I mean, there's amazing things that are being done with um, stem cells now. I've actually had two students that – had stem cell therapy and had some really amazing results because I think what the, what you're trying to do is um, they might remove a part of the bulging disc or I'm not sure everything that they do, but they rebuild the disc, you know, with some of these stem cells. And that would be more of a fix rather than a masking of the pain, I think. So, yeah, and whatever biomechanical issues he had, you know, it could be just cumulative or whatever. He'd probably want to make sure that those are then changed. So if he does do a procedure to get the disc back to normal and the forces on it are going to be the same, he's probably going to have the same issue again in the future. So Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess short-term advice there for Ellen is if you have it done, you'll, you might feel like a million bucks, but still use caution. Whether it's, yeah, getting some physical therapy or lifting yourself, yeah. Make sure you're not, like you said, doing something off mechanically, uh, and I don't know, maybe use real caution doing the heavy squats. I, I don't know. Okay. Uh, our next one here says, Hey guys, I started lifting and listening to iron radio at age 14 and I've consistently listened through the past four years at 18. Now I've taken a job as an arborist at a tree company and my caloric expenditure is just astronomical. I live in New Jersey and the summers especially can get very hot. Uh, 
Uh, I wanted to see if you guys at Iron Radio have any tips for guys that work labor-intensive jobs. Uh, I'm still training, but it's just so hard to consume the proper amount of calories while working. I feel like I'm always in a deficit. I'm finding it very hard to put on weight, and my strength has just been stagnant. Thanks for the show. It's taught me so much over the years. You guys are doing great work, Brian. Well, first of all, thank you, Brian. It's great to be sort of that, you know, someone that's there in that developmental period, I think. Um, Phil, what about you? I mean, you must have guys that work construction or they do something real physical and then they... Yeah, a lot of that. I mean, honestly, when I started, I was doing that. Um, My tip to you would be, I always decided the best for me, I trained before I went in um, because I knew I had energy then. I'd be zapped after a day at work. Um, So, I mean, if that meant me getting up at 3.30 a.m. and getting my training in, I did. Um, Oh, first, yeah. And then... the food, I just brought it with me, and of course, I mean, you were kind of you're kind of tied to your job. So during the day, yeah, maybe you can't eat that much, but the minute I was off, it was my job to eat. So, and that's you know, from the time I got, it'd be really big dinners and things like that, and just eat how you can during the day. Um, I don't know, you call it like a warrior diet type of thing, um, where you're just you're just backloading in the evenings, and due to your job, I mean, you've got a manual job. And your training as well. I mean, stuff it in. You're not going to get over fat. I mean, it's just you're working so much that yeah. it just doesn't, doesn't work. Including fats, so, right? They're calorie-rich. Yeah. yeah. So, And, yeah, I'd just pack stuff with me. I mean, I'd make tuna salad with copious amounts of, like you said, fats yep. and, and things like that. And, Mayo um, and oil or whatever you have to yeah, do. Yeah, exactly. Just get in what you can, very dense, uh, in a fast period of time, and then... When you're off in the afternoons, the evening, you know, go have, you know, really big dinners is what I'd say. So, yeah. I mean, because you can't really can't carry a, a protein shake, honestly, is going to get pretty nasty out in the sun all day. No, so, no doubt. That, that, doesn't, that doesn't work too well. Right. Um, yeah. But, you know, nuts and oils and, you know. The, the tricks for dietitians are pretty much that. Yeah. I mean, f- healthy fats, olive oil on anything you can put it on, nuts, seeds, um, if on the carb side, I mean, I know there's sugars, but dried fruits because they're so calorie dense and even micronutrient dense, you know, lots of vitamins and minerals and, and plant chemicals because they're dehydrated, you know, so dried fruits, portable stuff. Uh, I put a box of cereal, I mean, heavy, full fat, like nut and f- dried fruit granola between your car seats. So to and from work, you know, you're just chowing. Mm-hmm. Um, drinking calories is huge, but like you said, there's always the spoilage thing. So there are some ready-to-drinks uh, that I know we've all tried that can be handy or powder in an empty container, you know, that you can slam with your turkey sandwich at lunch um, or weight gainers, you know, not just protein powder, but weight gainers. If you can find one that's mostly starches and not mostly sugar, I guess, uh, although I wouldn't shy away from sugar completely either. Uh, Dr. Nelson, what about you? Tips for a manual labor hypocaloric dude? Yeah, no, I agree with all those. Those are awesome tips. And uh, one other one, too, that he wants to pay attention to if he's working outside and humidity is hydration. Because mm-hmm. a lot of times it can kind of sneak up on you by the end of the day. And it sounds like he was maybe training at the end of the day. And if you're really dehydrated, you feel like crap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that may be one to pay attention to, possibly adding more electrolytes and salt and things of that nature if he's really sweating a lot he's out there for long periods of time it's yeah, probably going to be point. pretty helpful um now lastly more on just the movement side if you know a couple of guys i knew one guy who was uh we called him the tree killer 
he was an arborist. But okay. He was basically cutting down trees all day. And in the gym, he may consider doing more rowing exercise and pulling, trying to move his arms back behind his body. Because I would guess that a lot of his work is with his arms out in front of his body all the time. Oh, so, mm-hmm. Yeah, good. That's just counteract that a clever. little bit. Absolutely. It's a good point about hydration. I, something I've been wondering about lately, too, is um, I recently hurt my knee, and it's aging-related. I'm not going to bore everybody about this. Um, but the uh, things like some of the um, articular cartilage and things like that and your tendons, things are less hydrated as you get older. So I'm starting to wonder if this sort of dehydration thing doesn't creep up on people that are middle-aged lifters even more. You know what I mean? Because you're you're starting less hydrated in a sense. And yeah, I mean, if you get busy working all the time, um, you just kind of forget. You get so wrapped up in what you're doing, you know, and sometimes I'll find myself driving home from work with a dry mouth or, you know, I wonder how much that dehydration actually kills your appetite or messes with your metabolism or, you know, your plasma volume falls, so your blood flow is poorer. Like I said, your soft tissues um, need it. So, I don't it's know. It's also just a big stressor to your system, too. Oh, right. And just yes. overall stress. Absolutely. I would yell at coaches a lot. Uh, not enlightened coaches like Phil, but <laughs> athletic <laughs> athletic coaches will they'll, they'll withhold water and stuff and try to toughen no. people up. I'm like... You're, you're, these guys are already a hair's breadth from overtraining. You're beating the hell out of them. Three-hour practices, six days a week. They don't need that additional stressor of dehydration. Get, you know, that hormone stress hormone response. Are you kidding? Yeah. Uh, anyway. Okay. Uh, well, there we go. There we have some a little news and some mail. We're going to go to break. When we come back, we're just going to talk about Iron Radio goings-on. And we'll start with Dr. Nelson because, as usual, he's on the road. He's being a sport and calling in. And we'll see what he's up to first, and then Phil and myself. Hey, listeners, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry. If you've ever had anyone critique you uh, on your protein intake as part of your weightlifting lifestyle, oh, you poor meathead. All that extra protein is going to rot your kidneys or weaken your bones or dehydrate you or give you gout or who knows what. Uh, There is a book available. You could simply Google CRC Press and Lowry. And what I've done is reach out to experts all over the world and create a book, a single compendium that you can hold up and say, this is why I consume extra protein. This can be very valuable when you're um, being quote unquote educated Uh, by various professionals on the topic. Uh, There's an enormous amount of literature in this book on the safety, uh, the effectiveness, how protein works in cells, the history of protein and weight trainers, uh, much more. So again, please check out CRC Press and Protein and Lowry. You can just Google that. And uh, I do, full disclosure, I do make a small single-digit royalty on the book. But that's not why I did it. I did it so we can all have something, uh, our particular population, uh, to both defend what we do and to inform our nutrition and our eating. Thanks. Hi, this is Dr. Lonnie Lowry. And on behalf of Phil and Rob, I'd just like to let listeners know that if you love us or you hate us, We'd like you to leave a comment or perhaps vote for us on iTunes. It helps us out quite a bit on the popularity side of things. Uh, You can also follow uh, Dr. Lowry, me, on Twitter. 
it's Lawnman7 on Twitter if you want to do that. We also have a Facebook page, the Iron Radio uh, listeners page. So uh, whether it's leaving a comment or voting for us or following us on Twitter or Facebook, uh, that would be fantastic. Also, uh, occasionally Rob or myself will write an article for another website and Phil will as well. So lots of ways to um, interact, uh, follow us in other media, and vote for us and uh, keep things going strong on Iron Radio. Thanks. Like your weekly fix of Iron Radio? In addition to being a popular institute on iTunes, we are also on email. Simply go to www.ironradio.org and sign up for the voluntary email. You'll get a once-per-week email, no more, that's little more than the show notes and a link to the audio. So go for it. All right, everyone, we're back. It's Lonnie and Phil and Mike, and we are going to just talk about some goings-on at Iron Radio. We're going to start with Dr. Nelson, who's on the road. Uh, you might get some tips about some of the you know, certificates or projects or speaking arrangements, these sorts of things uh, that you might be interested in or you know, learn something along the way. So, Dr. Nelson, what is happening with you? Yeah, so I just got back from Paleo FX in Austin, so hanging out with all those crazy paleo people, um, but that was a lot of fun. Did a, a talk down there on metabolic flexibility, and then also was on a panel talking about muscle hypertrophy with uh, Dr. Andy Galpin, uh, Cal Dietz, and Dutch Lowry. Um, unfortunately, Dr. John Mike was supposed to be on there too, but his uh, flight got a little bit late, delayed, mm. so he came in a little bit later. Um, but yeah, John was down there doing a talk too, and it was a good time, lots of fun. And we have a couple other talks coming up. I'll be at the Physique Summit with uh, Cliff Wilson, Dr. Lane Norton, Dr. Peter Fishman, uh, a couple other guys in the uh, first part of August. I think that's in Missouri, if I remember right. Um, and then in fall, I'll be at the uh, NSCA CPT conference, so oh. personal trainer conference mm-hmm. in Florida in October. And then the weekend before that, I'll be presenting at the International Society of Clinical Neuroscience. Their conference in Florida, again in October, is actually all on uh, human performance, uh, but more from the neurologic side. Interesting. Yeah, it's sponsored by the Kerrig Institute. So they do a lot of uh, functional neurology stuff. So, um, yeah, so that'll be, like, really interesting. So if people are really into uh, high-level human performance and looking for something a little bit different bent on it, uh, I think that'll be a really cool conference. Too. So, so what is that more like physical therapy and nerve rehab, or is that more like adaptations to nervous system during training? Um, yeah, it's they do. Um, so, like, one of the local guys here does a lot with uh, traumatic brain injury, um, there's the Center for Brain Plasticity down there. So they do a lot of uh, rehab stuff with uh, brain injury, concussions, a um, little bit more different neurologic stuff. Um, but they do some very interesting performance training too. Hmm. Uh, they've got a machine that they can basically stitch you in that looks like a weird carnival ride, and they can spin you in any direction they want. So, like, you know, X, Y, N, Z axis all at the same time. Mm-hmm. And they can program it to do specific patterns 
for you know changing your vestibular, so the inner ear canal. And at the same time, while they're doing it, they can put uh, goggles on you that'll watch your eye movements. Um, so I was talking to him. I was down there last uh, fall, and I was saying, "Oh, so if you've got a, a snowboarder like trying to do some crazy off-axis trick, you could program the machine to put them in there." And they could maybe work on their eye work of trying to look to spot their landing and get used to going through that motion and stuff too. So, wow! Yeah. So pretty interesting stuff. Weird from that aspect. Manipulations of the nervous system, you know, toying yeah. toying with your neural pathway. Right. You know, that's what we do with a yeah. lot of athletic training, anyway. Yeah. So cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that's cool. And then, um, yeah, still teaching for Globe, um, teaching exercise phys intro and advanced exercise phys this quarter. Uh, still doing work with the uh, Mindset Performance Institute. Uh, we've got, it'll probably still come out, we're, I'm still finalizing stuff, but a uh, project with a bunch of other people looking at basically stress management, so sort of mind-body connections. Because a lot of people now, I think fitness is becoming more lifestyle, life management orientated. Um, I know when I talked to John Berardi at the Swiss conference last year, he was, you know, pushing that too, that we're basically a lot of times in charge of people's not just training, nutrition, but also their lifestyle and managing their stress too. Right. Um, in fact, so, you know, it's a good segue, but I've been pushing my wife Kelly to come on about that, right? Because that's what she does in yeah. the trenches. She doesn't do research with it, of course, but she helps people overcome lifestyle obstacles. You know, that's what counselors do. So, yeah, yeah that's just so huge. Yeah, and then um, we just started. We just announced the level two certification through Eat to Perform. So I helped him do the uh, level one along with uh, Dr. Brad Dieter, and helped him with a little bit of level two. So that's going on right now. Mostly just exercise and uh, nutrition. But who would want that, research, Mike? Making it practical. So who's look? Would that be something a strength coach could do? So he was up on the most recent diets, or like what's who's that targeted to? Yeah, it's generally targeted to pretty advanced uh, fitness professionals or people looking at coaching. Um, one thing we've noticed with, say, like CrossFit, for example, um, a lot of them are pretty good now on the movement side, um, but nutrition is something a lot of them just don't know a lot about. Obviously, there's exceptions to that rule, yeah. but just in general. Um, so trying to get them more up to speed on basic exercise principles and just general nutrition of you know, here's how you would take a client, you know, here's, you know, deferring from supplements to what proteins do to, um, so trying to make it comprehensive and look at just the principles and then take those principles and put them into a framework so people can start working more with clients on a one-on-one -on -one basis on uh, primarily on the nutrition aspect. Yeah, one-on-one -on -one is so big. The way the fitness industry runs just drives me nuts with their sort of cookie-cutter Diet, yeah. um, diet plans, I guess you would call them, but I, it's almost like they haven't made the connection that as a coach or as a personal trainer, I, I get baseline assessments, at least I hope they do, whether it's strength or flexibility or cardiovascular endurance, whatever it is, uh, but they don't do any baseline, even a simple, like, typical day strategy with, yeah, you know, what do you eat recall. throughout the day? Tell me typical lunch, typical breakfast, you know, that kind of stuff, and is something to go from. So, and I mean, you don't have to be a nutritionist to see that, oh my God, there's 
nothing but deep fried foods here. You know, there's yeah. no fruits, there's no vegetables, <laughs> there's, and that kind of stuff. And I mean, you don't have to be a dietitian to at least notice it. Is what I'm saying. As far as working with individuals, you have to be careful, I guess, depending on your state laws. But at the same time, yeah, that's good stuff because I mean, that's like the that's a huge other side of the equation for driving adaptations. You know, is what you eat. Oh yeah. Yeah, and then at the higher level stuff, trying to work them with them to match their nutrition to their training, uh, which is a big thing I've been sort of yammering on about for quite a while. So if you're doing a, a low-intensity aerobic session, you know, to try to get a bigger aerobic base or recovery, things of that nature, you probably want that to be a little bit more fasted, right? You don't want to consume 80 grams of carbs before that session because you're primarily trying to use fat. Um, but if you're doing a heavy intense, you know, CrossFit type, you know, glycolytic session, yeah, you want a lot of carbs before and after so you can perform well and recover and get the adaptations and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think that that's um, a chronic thing as well. Like uh, I've heard the yep. term nutritional periodization where, yeah, you know, you're, as you're training, yeah, exactly. As things uh, ebb and flow, your eating should reflect, like, what's my goal here? Yeah, and you're right, if it's to become a better fat-burning machine, Maybe a lower carb diet is what you're after right now, you know that kind of stuff. Or if you're just exercising your ass off for three hours a day, maybe it's time for more calories, you know. But I think uh, in nutrition we were a little slow to catch up with what the strength coaches were doing with periodization, realizing that your your dietary intake isn't automatically going to parallel and mirror your training. So you almost have to strategize that too, along with your training program, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and I've seen I don't know how many templates from people that it's like you can tell the person put some pretty good thought in the training, yeah, some okay thought in the nutrition, and zero thought of how they go together. <laughs> right. Yep. Yep. So, all right. Well, good yeah. stuff, my man. I know you're on the road, so um, if you have to drop out, we understand. Yeah, uh, I'll drop off. But thanks, guys. See you. Cool. <clears throat> Phil, man, you're up then. So I know you oh, have a crap God. ton of stuff going on. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Um, I don't know where to start. I guess um, the barbell open, which yep. we launched uh, August first, or no, that's going to start August first. We launched it May first. Okay, right. So, yep. um, kind of set it out there to the public. So we got that rolling, um, getting lots and lots of views. I think a lot of people don't. We're getting ready to adjust the website and like uh, put a here's what you have to do to sign up in just like plain speak English. Because um, we're getting lots of views and then lots of registrations, but then you need to pick what you're going to compete in. <laughs> so, and uh, not as many people going that far. But we're still early. I mean, because like it, it doesn't take place till August first, so we don't even expect a, a boatload of signups until until closer to that. Because that's just how people do with competitions. It's kind of annoying as somebody who runs uh, meets and things like that that people put it off. But mm-hmm. um, that's coming along. Getting lots of. Uh, people dropping us lines about that you know strength coaches here and there that are bringing their signing their whole teams up and things oh, like that oh hey so, that's a great idea right get, yeah. get them team by so, team not individual by individual <clears throat> yeah it was great i had one guy out in uh, california like he messaged me he's like hey i'm really into this barbell open thing i'm gonna sign my whole team up we're all going to regionals I was like, sweet, but you realize you have to qualify for regionals. Yep, <laughs> right. we're all going to regionals. I was like, ah, sweet, bring it on. Confidence. You know, that's, a good, that's a good attitude to have. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we got that going on. Um, so just pushing it out there. Um, geez, my own gym. I just dumped a boatload more money into it. And Oh, did uh, you? Hey, you know what? I, I don't mean to interrupt, but 
uh, when I was out there with uh, that student of mine, uh, pre-med mm-hmm. student, Grant, yeah. uh, he was impressed with your Good. place because I told him maybe he's tougher than I thought. I mean, he's a tough kid, works on a farm and all that. And, but I said, now brace yourself. This is a, a powerlifter's gym. You know, this is not yeah. a pretty box kind of, you know, um, planet fitness kind of place. Yeah. And I thought it might be too gritty. Now, having said that, every time I'm out there, it seems like there's you've done something else nice, you know. Because I yeah. mean, you're you got that art background, and things are mm-hmm. when you build something, it's cool looking, it's tasteful, yeah. it's professional. And and uh, on the drive home, he's like, "I thought that was great." So, <laughs> so yeah. So we just well, I I'm taking over the the whole building. So if, if people don't know, basically, it's about a. 60,000 square foot building. We were in one quarter of it. Absolutely. As our gym. Um, I have since jettisoned out my person that was renting the rest of it. And, uh, <laughs> jettisoned. <laughs> <laughs> I re-roofed the rest of it, so that's where I dumped a bunch of money. Oh. Um, and uh, we're getting ready to take over the whole building. So um, I'm moving the gym to the bigger side. On top of that, we're putting in batting cages and turf. Um, so yeah, oh, you are going to do that. Okay. Yeah. So that's getting, that's in the works right now. So that's all blowing up. Um, the freaking powerlifting and weightlifting and Highland Games teams are just going crazy with kids out of school. I mean, I'm getting tons of baseball players, softball players, this and that. Um, yep. one of my Canadian clients is moving down here in like two weeks. Um, to be by your I, gym or is it for work or something? Uh, well, basically to come to the gym and got a job here now. So it's oh, been wow. like an 18-month process of legally coming to the United States Whoa. and getting a visa and everything. So that's all finalized. Um, I've got a client from Scotland coming back over for two weeks that's potentially going to be an employee. Um, one of the Iron Radio listeners that came to the camp, Joe. Hello, Joe. You're yeah. probably listening to this. Um, so you met him at one of the camps. Uh, he wrote me a little while back and was like, hey, you mind if I join the gym? I was like, that's fine, but you're like a long ways away from here. He moved here. So he started about two weeks ago. No way. Um, wow. Yeah. So people are, um, it's like a Mecca. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, like I was telling you about uh, the weightlifting team now, we've got, we're starting to get, it's pretty neat because we're starting to get like invites to meets. So people are reaching out to us. Hey, does the strength guild team want to come and compete? And uh, is that because you guys do well? Um, or do you, well, I think it's both, and we're getting very large in numbers. So yeah. I think we have, to date right now, just on the Olympic lifting team, uh, 30 people registered with USAW. Um, cool. So that's just that's our Olympic lot. lifters. Um, i got meets coming up. We've got the, the Kansas State Games. I think I've got like 13 power lifters going to that. I've got 11 of my lifters like in four weeks going to a weightlifting meet and then i take the week after the state games i bring all the kids down to houston for the junior olympics um yeah so tons of stuff going on there Um, hey let me ask you this then uh have you gotten away a little bit from the highland games and strongman stuff or do you still have competitors that do that no no we still do that too (laughs) so and we're in the midst of the highland games season so and that's personally right now that's what i'm coming back from this hamstring injury um where they re- reattach it to my body. But um, my goals right now are to get myself ready for Highland Games in August. Um, we'll see how that goes. I was swinging the hammer for the first time this week. I've done some light squats. I did some yoke walks. Oh, okay. Um, so all that's coming along. I need to put some body weight back on. I feel like a twink. I'm down like 249. <laughs> twink. 250-pound <laughs> um, <laughs> so, twink. Yeah, and it's just... 
Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's like with any rehab. I mean, you you can't do what you normally do. No, you atrophy. You don't. Yeah, you. Yeah. So I'm I'm a mere shadow of what I once was. But you know, it's starting to get back to that point where I'm. I mean, I'm not squatting anything. I mean, I'm squatting the bar right now. But uh, I deadlifted 95 pounds for five sets of five this week. It's all super light. But I mean, I. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's Honestly, good. Though. I mean, just doing it. The I privilege. Feel, yep. I think it. I got to take a positive spin on this. I think this hamstring injury may have helped me some because basically it was on the other leg. Like it was a year ago this week that I got my hip replaced. Yep. Yep. Um, and then pretty much I've been in this rehab for <clears throat> 10 weeks and it's forced me. Basically, I had to live life on that re- the, the hip rebuilt leg. So it forced me to use it and get it much, much stronger because um, I just couldn't use the other one. So now, even on those like ninety-five pound deadlifts, I can feel that. Wow, my my left leg, the one that hadn't worked forever, is holding a lot of weight now. Um, I just know how to use it after have being forced to use it right for you know almost three months. Sort of like uh, manifesting but, its potential here. You know? Yeah. So you know that's a, a potential good thing. Um, no, and I mean the gym. The gym is just going crazy with tons of athletes. Um, in all sports, so from you know, like I said, multi-sport athletes, my baseball players, wrestlers, softball players, blah blah blah, to you know the powerlifting teams growing. Um, we've got we just had a meet not too long ago, and you know two of my girls really tore it up. They both, one's a one twenty three er, and what she ended up deadlifting three twenty at one twenty three. Wow! Um, squatted two ninety eight. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, one of my other That's girls. Awesome. Who I think is a 158 or something like that. So she squatted 303, deadlifted 336. Um, you know, I got one of my guys getting ready for the state games. Hopefully, he'll cross the 800 barrier at 230. Um, nice, yeah. So yeah, I mean, we got we got a lot going on, and then you know, getting some Olympic lifters qualified for the American Open and things like that. So, um, and then not to mention all the kids. You know, you got all the kids doing the Junior right. Olympics, and yeah, hey, I'm, I'm busy, man. Can busy. I? Um, is it premature to mention anything about the the coffee stuff? Because I know there was some coffee stuff in the background, or is that no, too protracted? That's, no, that's fine, and that's supposed to be here finally this week. Basically, we got uh, – uh, I'm dealing with a, a guy I've known since I was in elementary school, and he's a master co- coffee roaster, and we're working on putting out a, a Strength Guild branded coffee. Um, and basically, he had to uh, – for what I wanted, he had to – you know, search out special beans on some, I don't know where it is. I'm not a coffee expert, but I don't know, some some hill in some foreign country. And, oh, well, there's so much uh, into that, right? The, yeah. the climate, the agriculture and part. Yeah. Exactly. So it, it needed to be from the right climate, for right altitudes, this and that. Altitude, yeah. And it showed up, and his first batch showed up with mold on it. Oh, shit. So he had to get in contact with them and reorder it, and it finally got here. He's supposed to have something for me to try this week. Um Basically, I want something that that's going to kick you in the shorts. Um, is what we're looking for. So right on, yeah. Trying to put that out there, and then not to mention, I mean, I'm working with all these people on a daily basis in the field, um, helping them with their stuff as far as their businesses go. I mean, that's the other part of my my deal, and that's going insane. Uh, Mostly like yeah, uh, marketing materials and and printing stuff, or not so much that. Well, anymore? and just products and and things like that. Like I'm I always work close with with Jim and Juliet Wendler, getting ready to do a new big launch with them. Oh, um, cool! So, uh, can you talk about yeah. that or no? 
Is it, is it clothing? No, I'm not going to talk about it. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> I understand. That, that part of my life, I enjoy being – I rarely talk about it. I, um, and I deal with uh, – the only thing I can say is I deal with many of the people in this industry as far as their, their, their business their products, goes. Yeah. And I like being the guy behind the, – the, the quiet name behind the scenes. Right. So and letting them do their thing, but I mean, the, the fun part about it for me is just uh, just dealing with that and being being a part of that with them and, and helping them succeed. And you so know, it's, I can't it's help awesome. but, but see parallels with a lot of this stuff too. You know, like when you talk about coffee, you know, down the road, I'd love to set up some type of functional food type coffee. You know, where yeah. you put something else in the coffee as long as you can make it taste good. And I have I have some very specific ideas, but like I've been to conferences where they're putting probiotics, you know, mm-hmm. uh like apparently there's coffee and heat resistant like probiotic spores and it sound that sounds bad, but it's it's actually a good thing to help colonize your gut with you know, healthy bacteria. And so and there's all these functional coffees. They've put all kinds of stuff in them before. And you know, my as a nutritionist, my gears start moving of course because i'm largely a coffee researcher and Mm -hmm. i think about all the benefits you know so it's just crossover stuff is fun yeah and it's i don't know man it's a good time to be uh, for me you know i mean once again (laughs) it's good to be me back (laughs) once again i'm back to where i want to be i mean it's very stressful to be me i mean my days literally start at like 4 20 and end at nine um but uh you know, I'm back to where I was and back to where I want to be in that like 100% of my my work life is uh, tied to the fitness industry. Right. So that's that's where I wanted to be and I, I'm back there and things are things are really taking off. Um, like even the coaching side, I've got more people that I'm helping out than ever. Um, and we're starting to kick butt. You know, we've we've it's it's been a, pro- a building process of restarting over here and getting this even the population here just into it and gathering the people the right people um so and that's what we've done with the gym and yeah we're we're, we're kicking butt so that's nice. now my boy my boy turns one this year oh yeah so because he was born shortly after my hip so we got that going on he's starting to walk um yeah it's good man life is good good so. stuff all right um last few minutes of the show i'll share a few things I am going to be at the International Society of Sports Nutrition meeting uh, this coming weekend. Not today, of course, uh, as you're hearing this, but the, the next weekend. I think it's uh, like we're leaving June 8th or 9th. We'll be there through the 11th, I think. Uh, we're actually going to share some research there on um, a form of vitamin E and how it may help with muscle recovery. We looked at a couple of different things, and I'm not going to go into gory detail. Maybe I'll talk about it more in the future. But this was a student project largely, so I was sort of, you know, it's almost feel like when you work with assistant coaches, you mm-hmm. they're competent, but you got to kind of keep your fingers in the pie a little bit. Yeah. But uh, int- I don't know, interesting stuff. It's really a small number of subjects. It's just some preliminary work. But when I see something work from multiple angles, because, you know, muscle recovery for, from – soreness from like eccentric training and whatnot it's very multifaceted you know it's everything from nutrient depletion to oxidant effects you know free radicals and all that to inflammation and weakness and so and there's some some of the mental side and three of the four things we looked at and in my mind actually the most interesting variables seemed to benefit there was either a statistical significance or a trend toward that uh toward improvements when we compared this um, 
it's sort of an under-the-tongue-melt-and-swallow kind of thing. It's, it's not regular vitamin E. It's tocotrienol, and some of our listeners might be familiar with it. But there's different isomers of this stuff, but um, I'm very interested in that. I've, I actually wrote a book chapter once on antioxidants and exercise. Oh, geez, it's been 10, 15 years ago now, but it was a huge literature review. And I'm very interested in this sort of thing. So I'm not sure what's next exactly. I might do some open label just experimenting with teams. I don't know. Maybe this is even something we can do with your people, Phil, mm-hmm. where um, it, it's an Australian uh, pharmaceutical and nutrient company. And we'll see where this goes. But I, I've done so many studies for the dietary supplement industry that, frankly, just I'm like, that's not nothing significant happened, guys. I just I you know, I controlled as much as I could. And even with the student research and the the less than uber strict controls, to see things like less soreness and and better muscle function and, um, you know, that kind of thing, less contracture and, you know, binding up of the sore muscles and and that sort of thing uh, 24 hours after we rocked these guys, uh, it does suggest better recovery. And I'm very interested to see where this goes with larger studies and, and that sort of thing, you know, science people are always full of caveats like, well, only with this dose, and it's a small study, and, 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 but I'm curious. I mean, I can't tell you how many supplements I've looked at that just did bubkis, and when I see something work from three different angles, I'm curious about it. So we're going to, we're going to present some of those data down in Florida next week. Uh, Always great people down there too. So I'll try to do some interviews or whatnot, because it's hard to have some of those superstars, you know, right within reach of my phone. And uh, which, by the way, my iPhone does a great job, frankly, recording stuff. Some of the stuff you've heard on Iron Radio uh, was through my phone, and it's pretty sweet. So I'll try to nab some stuff, let everybody know what's going on with the sports nutrition world uh, next week. Um, Later in June, uh, I got a nice email from uh, Rob, uh, Rob Diome, I think his name is Dion. Uh, at the Open Sky podcast, so I'll be on that podcast. That's one of the things I really wanted to do throughout our eight-plus years at Iron Radio, which is get on some other podcasts and spread the word. Because in other genres, you hear podcasters on each other's shows all the time, and I just think we need more of that cross-pollinating. So that should be fun, Um, probably talking about some of my research uh, in one form or another, and most of it has to do with either muscle recovery or protein or um, coffee frankly. Um, I guess I should talk about other Iron Radio news quickly. Don't forget we've got that quick fire this or that contest. Uh, I'm going to pick some people this month uh, from that. I'll reopen that thread on our Facebook listeners page because it's probably dropped off the bottom of the page now. But uh, we had lots of people firing questions at us. So basically, I want to ask the other co-hosts these questions that you provide, right? We'll make it a contest. Like if you give us really good questions, uh, maybe we'll give you a prize of some kind, Uh, you know, mug, mouse pad, something. We've done a lot of contests, so I want to get back to that in the summer when I can breathe. So uh, yeah, think about checking out our Facebook page for those quick fire type questions, you know, like uh, Iron Maiden or Megadeth, you know, questions like that. Beef or chicken, you know, or you can make it fun. You can make it funny. Um, and there's lots of good examples on there. So don't forget our quick fire contest that's going to wrap up this month. Uh, let's see. What else? Um, a couple of guests that are coming up uh, on the show. Uh, 
we actually bumped into someone when we were in San Diego uh, at the experimental biology meeting, uh, Jessica. And I've asked her to come on the show uh, in coming weeks. And I don't usually talk about future guests, but uh, I'd like for her to do a piece on breakfast. Um, I've done a little bit of work myself with students on portable breakfasts and whether or not they help increase intake. Uh, you know, just like our listener question, you know, portable foods and everything. Um, so there's some controversial things about protein and breakfast and and that kind of stuff. And she should be really good. I, I, we bumped into her. I, I think she might have just heard my voice at the experimental biology meeting. And she's like, oh, you're you're Lonnie Lowry. You do Iron Radio. And, you know, I didn't expect that, right? Mm-hmm. And somewhere like ISSN or at a Arnold Classic Fitness Weekend or something, sure. But at a, at a pure nerd event like that, to bump into somebody, it really showed me how broad Iron Radio reaches. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of science people who also are interested in lifting, frankly, in fitness and sports nutrition and those sorts of things. And, yeah, to be at what I would consider the other side, you know, like, Phil, you said you don't talk about um, the one side of your lifestyle. I don't talk about a lot of what I do on the academic or researcher or, or, you know, that kind of thing. And um, it's a whole other world. And just to yeah. bump into somebody, I'm like, hey, yeah, be on the show. You know, um, I may also uh, try to push one of the the guys that are part of that uh, pharmaceutical company that uh, actually helped fund a little bit of our tocotrienol muscle recovery research. I might try to get some of those guys on the podcast as well because one of them is a PharmD and the other is a has his doctorate in exercise physiology there in Australia uh, at one of the main universities there. So I'll try to get them on too so we can see where that's going because i'm very curious about sublingual dosing of of some of these lesser known you know vitamin e um analogs and whatnot so good times yeah uh one last note i i'm i've already fussed about this but running doesn't work uh, <laughs> Phil knows what I'm talking about. I am running beat the hell out of me to the point that I I had kind of a serious injury and I'm literally like laid up for a couple of days with ice and I've had it. And now partly it's it's cuz I'm older. I get that. You know, my tendons are a little dried up. We were talking about hydration earlier and all that, but um I just it's a it's remarkable to me how much more abusive running was than lifting. Mm-hmm. Uh because I think the the, the beauty of of bodybuilding is that you know there's a sort of variety of movements you can avoid things that hurt running there's just running you know i mean i know some people have poor biomechanics when they run or some of us are heavier and that's harder on your knees and your ankles but i'm just amazed at how (laughs) i I felt like i built a little bit of aerobic base but i really didn't get any leaner because i couldn't run enough to do it because the recovery was so long you know what I mean? Like I'd run, and yeah, maybe I got a little aggressive and did a little bit more sprinting than I should have. But yeah, I don't know. It, it didn't work for me. And so <laughs> especially when I hear stuff about like the cartilage in your knees and stuff, every time you bend down, every time you take a step, you're sort of using, you're sort of wearing it down um, from a whole lifespan perspective. So spend your use of your joints well, people. And it, to me, I think there's a definite portion of the population that, Running is not um, wise expenditure of you know the wear and tear on your joints. So wise words. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. We'll see everybody next week. Yep. Have a good one, everybody.
Hey listeners, have you seen the store at ironradio.org? There are three halls in the store. One for Phil, one for Fortress, and one for myself, Dr. Lowry. And they're thematic. So you can go into our Halls of Iron store and choose based on your goal. If you need something to learn or read or something nutritional, you can look in my store, uh, Lonnie's store. If you want something about injury prevention uh, or competition, then take a look at Phil's Hall of Iron. And if you want something about motivation or daily training, Fortress's Hall has what you're looking for. There are some fun, heroic descriptors uh, as you browse through the stores. We try to make it a little more fun than the average boring online store. And whether you're a novice lifter or someone more experienced, you can take heart that you're not wasting your time. The things that we put in each hall of iron are actually based on our own recommendations. Protein powders that we know to be good, uh, knee sleeves, wraps of some kind, things that Fortress uses in his own training. Uh, the stuff you, you see, you know is good. This way you don't waste time. So check out the Iron Radio store at ironradio.org. And um, let us know what you think on the forums. And certainly you can request products and we will uh, screen them before they go in. So thanks for listening. Iron Radio is accepting donations. If you like what we do, the professors, the scientists, the bodybuilding show promoters, the athletes themselves in powerlifting and bodybuilding. Um, please consider making a donation or maybe buying something from the ironradio.org uh, store. Uh, we also are accepting supporting members. So for $4 a month, which is frankly less than the bank sneaks out of your account in fees, you can step up and support a form of sort of public radio for the bodybuilding and powerlifting and strength community. The Iron Radio Podcast and all of the audio on ironradio.org is for informational purposes only. If you're interested in starting a diet or exercise program, it's important to check with your physician. Also seek the help of registered dietitians, athletic trainers, and qualified exercise physiologists in order to make the progress that you need.